This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Uh, We are always looking for success in our lives and in our careers, but there are cases of people who are very smart or knowledgeable about their work who end up falling through the cracks. They don't achieve the level of success that they probably expected to see. But much of this may come from your manner or connecting with other employees or clients. And then the impact on the on the company is a multiplier that makes its mark on the bottom line. Carter Cast is a clinical professor of innovation and entrepreneurship at Northwestern University, and he takes a deeper look at the issue in his new book, The Right and Wrong Stuff, How Brilliant Careers Are Made and Unmade. It's a pleasure to have Carter on the show with us right now. Carter, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Great to have you with us. Um, Part of this from from reading the backstory in this came from your own personal experience, correct? Yeah, that's right. I I had a bad review when I was in my my mid-30s, which was 20 years ago, and was sort of blindsided by the feedback. And my boss told me that uh, he no longer wanted me in his group because I was difficult to work with and didn't follow direction. So uh, I ended up being put on ice at the company and was considered non-promotable for oh about a year and a half, and I had to dig dig my way out of the hole I made. And I think that I was embarrassed and uh, you know didn't and I didn't I didn't see it coming. And so I think that was one of the the reasons that I ended up writing this book is to try to help people so that this didn't happen to them. Did you did you I guess have a kind of a level of comfort within your job and and as you said you didn't see it coming a level of comfort where you were just kind of moving along and doing the job and then all of a sudden you get hit by this. Well, one of the reasons I found that people derail is they um, in, during transitions they they transition a new boss uh, transition into into a new job and they don't stay flexible and open minded and adaptable and in my case I had a a new boss that came in who was much more, shall we say, participative than my old boss, who was more hands-off and let me run. Right. And I didn't react well to the new boss's style. And, you know, it, it's uh, I fought the law and the law won, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, when you talk about people that, that do derail their careers, what are some of the most common reasons why? The most common reason is uh, an archetype I created called Captain Fantastic. And this is the guy with the sharp elbows who bruises you on his quest for the holy grail of the corner office. So interpersonal issues driven by arrogance, ego, defensiveness. People just don't want to work with this guy, even though he's smart and capable. And eventually when his numbers turn, you know, he doesn't make his quarter or his year, he finds that he has no one there that wants to help him. I guess it's interesting because we've done uh, stories on this in the last six to to 12 months on this show is the fact that more companies want more of a team effort. You see more projects uh, involving a a group of people at the company uh, than you do the solo effort anymore. Well, I think that's right. The set of interdependencies now is so great with globalization and with so many products having such a technical foundation, they're so interdisciplinary that you need to have an attitude of we, not me. And this character, Captain Fantastic, doesn't have that attitude. So that this, that's the number one reason people, talented people, run into trouble. But a close second is this archetype I called version 1.0, which is someone who gets stuck in their ways and isn't adaptable to changing uh, circumstances. And, you know, nowadays with the rate of change in technology life cycles, we can't, none of us can get complacent with our knowledge. We have to stay actively 
you know, on Twitter, reading from the thought leaders, you know, reading white papers, going to conferences. We've got to stay abreast of all the changes that are happening. We're talking with Carter Cast of uh, Northwestern University. He is the uh, author of the book, The Right and Wrong Stuff. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. One of the other uh, types that you bring up is this whirling dervish, which I think a lot of people can really uh, uh, can really link to in the fact that there are times where you know, you get people who try to do everything they possibly can, and then there are situations where things fall through the cracks. You know, that's exactly right. You know, it's funny. I've done, I have an assessment on my website, which is just my name, and there's a, a Carter Cast and then uh, backslash resources. There's an assessment. You can see which of these archetypes you might fit into, and this is the number one self-claimed archetype. Is I think everyone nowadays, we're, all, we're getting just, you know, bludgeoned with uh, texts and emails and constant, <laughs> constant, constant. And so I think it, we all feel like whirling dervishes now. What is the expectation then uh, uh, moving forward to a degree? Because obviously you, you've seen this problem kind of resonate, uh, I'm guessing, at a larger level over the last 30 years or so. But are we starting to see companies, by the way they want to approach their business type, to a degree kind of move people out of some of these problems? Well, they're, they're certainly trying to figure out ways to reduce the number of touches everyone you know gets and, and simplify uh, interactions, and you know whether it's using Slack as a tool to interact casually, whatever the means are. That the 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 key thing is prioritizing what's important, what's going to move the needle, and just trying to get things off your plate that are non-core to your jobs. But it, I think it is a very real problem because you know when I started working in the 80s. There, you know, you'd write a formal email, and they'd go through the inner office mail, and we'd get about ten of them a day, and we'd look at them, and we'd we'd respond to them. Yeah. Now that happens, ten of those happen. What every ten minutes? minutes? Ten, ten minutes. Yeah, something like that. Carter Cast is our guest. He is the author of the book, The Right and Wrong Stuff. You're more than welcome to join in with your comments and questions at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So playing off of your personal experience, what is what is the most important thing about recognizing the, the potential trouble spot that you may be able to get into? And again, playing off of what you said, being able to accept criticism, being able to accept the feedback. Well, the most striking piece of uh, uh, research I found in, in looking into this topic to write the book is that people that have an inaccurate self-assessment, that, that don't have high self-awareness, they derail, they get fired or demoted six times more frequently than people that have an accurate self-conception. It's not about um, thinking, it, you know, it's, it's not about thinking that you're great at everything. People people that just understand I'm good at this, I'm bad at this, they can move around their, their weaknesses or their, the fact that they have a vulnerability, they can figure out, uh, you know, who to outsource this task to. Mm-hmm. People that think they're good at too many things or have a difficult time facing the music, they end up uh, failing six times more frequently than those with accurate self-conception. You, you touch on this in the book as well, and obviously I think it's an important piece to the discussion now is, how do some of these concerns and these issues play out differently between men versus women? 
Yeah, that that is an that that was an interesting one. Looking into why women derail versus why men derail, the most common reason that men derail is usually this Captain Fantastic. It is thinking you have the answers and you stop seeking the answer. Usually, the people that have the answer are in the front line of our business, right? right They're right. closest to the customer. So you got to you got to get out of your office and talk to those folks and see what's really going on. So men suffer when they derail, often because of ego of thinking they have the the solutions without asking. Women, on the other hand, and this is not an opinion, this is based on looking at hundreds of thousands of 360 feedback forms that came in on people. The number one reason women derail is is being called sort of non-strategic, which is you know, ridiculous, right? There's nothing inherently more <laughs> right. strategic with men than women. Right. And I think it's really a problem of access to um, access and visibility. So women get in the roles, different roles, and rotated into enough roles where they get a vantage point of the business that's broad enough that they see how the different pieces fit together. So then let me, playing off of that, how do you view the, the these issues in comparison to kind of the, the corporate structure, whether it be, you know, the employee, the kind of the grunt of the, uh, of the company, compared to maybe the middle-level manager, and then in comparison to, to higher management towards the C-suite? Yeah, that's interesting. Different levels have different derailment tendencies. If you're junior, the chances are you're going to derail more likely because you have difficulty managing teams, which is okay. my archetype I call the solo flyer. You want to do it yourself because you're comfortable doing it yourself, or you know you'll do a good job, so you want to do the job yourself and your team um, you know, that's not scalable, first of all. And second, your team becomes disempowered, you know, disenfranchised by that. Mid-level managers, they start to run into trouble by being non-strategic because they, they haven't yet had a vantage point of different functions and how they operate and how the whole company is, you know, interdisciplinary. So that is, becomes an, an issue. Later stages, it's the hubris. Later stages, senior vice presidents, executive vice presidents, it's being too far removed from the front line and still and, and starting to think that you have the answers. So it's that Captain Fantastic archetype that hurts people. So age does play a role in this as well. Oh, yeah. And the other way age plays in a role, Dan, is that, that version 1.0, this character that is not adaptable to change, I mean, I think I'm terrified as a venture capitalist that, you know, all the new technologies, artificial intelligence and machine learning, yeah. and, you know, all this, there's so much I have to stay abreast of yeah. because I'm investing into companies that are built by 30-year-olds. Carter, that's one of the reasons why I do this radio show every day, so I can learn some of those things, you know? Yeah, I totally, I, I totally commend that. <laughs> 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at bizradio111, B-I-Z, radio111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. You also mentioned the fact that, that for the most part, uh, people have blind spots. And I would think that you don't necessarily go looking to see what your blind spots are on a day-to-day -day basis. They do kind of pop up probably at the worst time. And that in itself lies part of the problems that people will have of having their careers derailed. Yeah. You, know, there, you can go back to some of the kind of great you know, thinkers of the time who talk about, you know, do you understand what your, the narrative arc of your life is going to look like? And how do you know what you're supposed to be doing when you're living it because you can't see yourself? 
and I, I love reading Joseph Campbell, the guy that wrote The Power of Myth, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. hero journey author. He, he said the best way you can understand where you're, where you're headed and look at yourself clearly is by either journaling so you can look back at what you've written and see the themes that play out on a regular basis, what your fears are, what your vulnerabilities are, what you want to do. But he said there's nothing like asking your friends because those closest to us – see us more clearly than we often see ourselves. So go to the folks that, that, that care about you, that want to see you succeed, and just ask them, like, I want, I want honest feedback. Mm-hmm. Where do you think I have a developmental opportunity that I need to pay attention to in my career? And, you know, if, they, if you trust them and they trust you, they'll tell you the truth, and it could be an area that's a blind spot. Like mine was this sort of difficulty with authority figures. Do, do, do people uh, do people rely on I mean if they know that that they do a couple of skills particularly well in terms of the office every day uh, do people rely on that and, and can that be a trouble spot for them yeah that this is a really good question it's very interesting to me you know we have this at, at Kellogg we talk about the leadership T the bottom of the T the vertical the, the, the vertical part is rigor and expertise and the top part the horizontal part is manage, you know, kind of management and leadership. That's the T. And of course, a lot of students want to come in and they say, they say when they meet with me, I'd like to become a leader or a manager. And I'll say, well, that's great. That's the top of the T. Right. But you've got to spend time at the bottom of the T to get the credibility and the expertise to be able to get to the top of the T. So the question you're asking is, at what point do you have enough expertise at the bottom of that T to start broadening yourself? I think if you do it too early in your career, like you try to do become a general manager right away, you probably don't have the expertise to really know and make the right decisions. But if you wait too long to try to broaden, then all of a sudden you're pigeonholed as being a, 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 a you know a functional expert in one specific area. So my you know the advice I generally give is. Usually it takes maybe five years, you know, if you use the 10,000 hours theory. Right. Five years of deliberate practice gives you that 10,000 hours. So, you, you know, you should become really proficient in marketing or sales or operations or human resources or finance or whatever in five diligent years, four or five diligent years, and then start looking for opportunities to broaden your um, understanding of the business you know, ask for uh, moves into different areas, get on task forces, right. you know, try to do things that broaden your perspective. But the biggest mistake I see for young MBAs is they get impatient with their careers and they jump around from place to place and they don't establish that bottom of the T. Well, as you were going through that, I was thinking to myself, so how does that play in for the the realm of entrepreneurs that we have coming out of colleges or, you know, right now in these days? Because a lot of these people are, you know, fresh out of college. They may not have that leadership quotient that you're talking about, yet they're trying to build these great ideas, you know, from the ground up. You know, entrepreneurs are a different breed. I, I spend all my time with entrepreneurs as a venture capitalist and teaching two entrepreneurship classes at Kellogg. You have a founder profile. There is there for people that are going to be crazy enough to go out there and start something from scratch. You know, they just there is a genetic component, I think, to their passion and belief in their idea, their risk reward profile, and their desire not to be managed by other people that make them want to go out there and become entrepreneurs. Nonetheless, they're going to have this sort of uh, baptism by fire 
of realizing they have to learn to be decent managers if their business is going to scale. And that's where it becomes interesting. You see if they can make the transition from a founder to a true CEO and leader as the company scales, and they have to learn new. They have to learn a lot of these skills, and some of them make it, like you know, Bezos and Gates and Jobs, and some yeah. of them sell their businesses or become the chairman and find a CEO to run it if they're successful. The the obvious, the importance to try and, and mitigate a lot of these problems before they become uh, harder is, is the fact that. Uh, and we learned this from a variety of different stories, is the fact that uh, companies right now realize that losing employees or having to get rid of employees is an unbelievable expense to the bottom line that they probably don't want to try and incur for the most part. So how do you know, are, are more companies understanding of those two components playing off of one another so that they can try and mitigate some of these problems? Yeah, you know, my research found the opposite, unfortunately. Really? I found that organizations are very complicit in people's derailment because they're you know, we live in the age of the ten ninety nine employee, the, the, the free yeah. agent. Yeah. So people are zipping around um, you know, driving Uber cars while they do this job and, and they they're ten ninety nine employees. So there is less light. You know, it isn't like when I grew up and IBM gives you lifetime employment. Right. Or I, you know, I went to PepsiCo for 11 years and went through a series of developmental training programs before I got my first line job. That day and age is over. So you have to take care of your own career because your organization is probably not going to put down a formalized development plan to make you loyal to them. But what I do say to organizations is, you know, while you're going through this review process, you know, these annual performance reviews that we all hate that we do, make sure that half the time, if you have an hour, make sure that half the time is on your development. So don't just hmm. talk, don't, don't make it all rearview mirror about what you did wrong here and there, what you need to improve on. Put, you know, spend half the time on, you know, the back, the, the looking backwards part, and then spend half the time looking forward and saying, where, where do you want to go in your career? How can I help you get there? Where do you have skill gaps? Where do you have developmental needs? Because the chances are a lot better if you spend half an hour and then put together maybe every quarter you sit down and you review their development, three points to their developmental plan, that they're going to stay loyal to you because they know that you care about their their personal advancement. So are you able to do that in the course of your day is kind of take that 30 minutes and not necessarily a break, but you're working on something personally for your professional development rather than from the corporate perspective. That's exactly right. I'll tell you what I even what I even did when I was a uh, an operator um, when I when I was a, a, a CEO. I if I'd have one on ones every week with um, my team, the first twenty minutes we'd do the kind of red light, green light, yellow light on the performance metrics of their business. Right. The second 20 minutes, we go over key projects they're working on and, and talk about where can I help you? Where is the project stalled? Do, you know, do I need to help you and enable you in some way? And the last 20 minutes was always about them. How, where do you need help? How can I help you? How do you feel like your career is going? So I'd always, they, they always knew we'd set aside time to talk about their development. And you know you reduce turnover that way because people realize your their your their interests are in your mind. 
We're talking with Carter Cast of uh, Northwestern University. He is the author of the book, The Right and Wrong Stuff, How Brilliant Careers Are Made and Unmade. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So, I mean, in terms of writing this book and, and I mean, what do you say to some of your students who are kind of running into these issues these days? Um, first thing I say is get in the habit of constantly receiving, asking for feedback. Don't wait for the performance review like I did to find out that, you know, you're, you're viewed poorly by your manager. Ask the minute you're done with the presentation, the minute you're done at a big meeting, say, how did that go? And if you're a good manager, you can make this happen quickly. You can say, tell me one thing that went well. Tell me one thing that you think you could have done better. I'm going to tell you one thing I think went well, and I'm going to tell you one thing I think you could have done better. So seek performance feedback. I I just gave this presentation on this book yesterday. I immediately turned to the host, and I said, how did it go? And they said, fine. And I said, no, no, tell me one thing that you didn't like. And they said, well, you could have done this better. And And I immediately changed the presentation for the next time I gave it. So get in that habit of doing that. And you won't get blindsided. That's the very first thing. The second thing I'd say is if you are in career trouble, you know, you've hit a wall, I I tell you, if you have the means, finding a career coach, talking to friends who've used a career coach is really helpful. And frankly, you know, it doesn't have to be that expensive. You can use them for three or four sessions. And they have a lot of tools you can use to help right. you see yourself more clearly. Quickly to the phone. So uh, with David in Washington, D.C. David, uh, if you can do your question in about 30 seconds, it would be great. Sure. So I uh, work for a company, and I'm also an entrepreneur. And you were talking about entrepreneurs earlier. Uh, for people straddling both worlds, um, there's a frustration where you kind of run into a, a slowness or glacially molasses in the corporation and uh, and then you're running your own business what should how do you continue to develop your career through your employer or should you just pick one or the other and kind of go one direction or the other all right carter got about 45 seconds if you can do it great question it gets back to your motives david you know some people are motivated by autonomy some people are motivated by achievement some people are motivated by affiliation some people are motivated by a sense of purpose if you're motivated by autonomy and achievement and they are really strong drivers for you, you probably should be doing something in a smaller company or or being an entrepreneur. I'm motivated by autonomy. So working inside of Walmart or PepsiCo after a while got very frustrating to me. So look, you know, try to understand your own motive profile. I talk about that a lot in the book because sometimes people, one of the biggest reasons people derail isn't because they're not talented. It's because they're yeah. in the wrong job. Yeah. Carter, thanks very much for uh, joining us on the show. David, great question. Uh, we wish you all the best with the book, Carter. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. The book is The Right and Wrong Stuff, How Brilliant Careers Are Made and Unmade. Carter Cast is the author uh, from Northwestern University. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.